Hi, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, brought to you by BLR. I'm your host, Steve Bruce. HR Works provides clear, relevant, actionable information on topics that matter to HR professionals. When you're armed with best practices, plus the knowledge to keep your organization in compliance, HR works. With the political climate heating up and likely to get hotter, we thought it would be a good idea to get some practical guidelines for employers on how to handle political activity in the workplace. We are fortunate to have Susan Schoenfeld with us today. Susan, an attorney and senior legal editor for BLR's Human Resources and Employment Law Publications, is an experienced litigator who has served as an attorney with the Civil Rights Division at the U.S. Department of Labor in Washington, D.C. Susan, welcome to HR Works. Thanks so much, Steve. So, what can employers do to restrict or control political activity in their workplaces? Well, Steve, as you mentioned, and as we're seeing every day on the news and in social media, um, controlling political activity can be really, really tough. And the good news is that for employers, they have the right to regulate and control um, employee work time. And as a result, then they can restrict, restrict an employee's political activity during that work time by doing things like prohibiting certain activities and behaviors that interfere with their own or another employee's work. Employers can also take steps to protect against the loss of productivity when workers devote time to things that really aren't relevant to a day's work. So if an employee is distracted from his or her duties, it will almost always result in some cost to the company, whether it be indirect or direct. Now, that direct loss of work time and productivity is pretty straightforward, but the, the indirect harms that I'm talking about are primarily those of reputation. So, for example, an employer can restrict an employee's campaigning on the job if that activity is going to cause the organization to be associated with a certain campaign or a certain political issue. And a case of this might play out where an employee has frequent contact with customers and clients, and that employee will say things about a certain campaign or politician, and those things then, of course, are associated back with the company. And in these cases, employers are permitted to um, put in place and ask employees to avoid on-the-job politicking. Now, in addition to the general rights that employers have to protect themselves against those indirect and direct harms, private employers are also covered by the Federal Election Campaign Act, or FECA, as well as um, many other federal and state laws that affect things like political campaigning and donations, um, time off from work, and other political issues that arise in the workplace. Well, thanks. So, could you be a little more specific about uh, FICA and what it requires? Sure. Um, FICA's intent was really to rein in corporate influence over politic political candidates. So, FICA allows corporations to do certain things and prohibits others. Now, under FICA, there are a number of restrictions on employees and employers. So, for example, um, FICA would prohibit employers from holding fundraisers and company property if that room isn't customarily available to other clubs or civic organizations. 
FICA also requires um, a politician who might be the beneficiary of um, that that fundraiser to reimburse the company for use of the facility. Um, FICA prohibits companies or the use of company postage or contributions of other materials, things like letterhead, um, printed envelopes. Uh, FICA would also prohibit the use of company equipment, things like copiers. Um, probably most importantly, FICA um, prohibits employers from using company labor for those political purposes unless the corporation receives advance payment for what would be the fair market value of the employee's service. Now, although company labor is illegal, volunteer work or volunteers um, who are employees are allowed. But those employees can't be coerced to quote unquote volunteer in any way whatsoever. If a company has a political action committee or a PAC, the question may arise about solicitation for contributions. And under FICA, rank and file employees cannot be solicited um, for, for contributions more than twice a year. And that solicitation has to be done by mail to the employee's home. And it also should must allow for the employees to give anonymous responses, either yay or nay, to the um, to the contribution solicitation. Now, in order to avoid those claims of coercion, um, rank and file employees can't be solicited face to face, and especially not by their supervisors. That's very important because that would be per se uh, coercion in many uh, jurisdictions. But for non-rank-and-file employees like executive, administrative, and professional um, employees, those individuals may be contacted directly to make contributions, but the law says that they can't be pressured to do so. Now, FICA is a relatively complex area of law, so if you're actually interested in more information on FICA, I would uh, send you to the Federal Election Commission's website at www.fec.gov. Uh, that's helpful. Now, what about regulating political activity like, uh, say, com campaign posters uh, or campaign buttons? That's a great question, and this comes up a lot in the workplace. Now, other than laws that are related to con political contributions, there really are no other federal laws that regulate an employee's political activity in the private sector. Now. Of course, employees have the right to maintain and express their points of view on political issues, of course. But employers also have that right to regulate and control employee work time. So employers are entitled to prohibit employees from engaging in political activity during work hours. Now, this political season has really shown us very clearly that intense political activity can create a lot of dissension, whether it be in the workplace or at a campaign rally or at any number of places. But in the employment context, problems can really be avoided if employees know that they are not to involve the company in political campaigning, either during or outside of work hours in some circumstances. So for employers that are considering political activity policies, they may include things like uh, prohibiting the use of company materials, equipment, and letterhead to assist in campaigns. Um, they can prohibit using company affiliation to aid in campaigns. Um, they can include a, a prohibition that literature or soliciting signatures or money uh, occur at the work site 
or in some cases even outside the work site if that employee is using company materials or mailing lists. Mailing lists tend to be a rather hot topic because of the power that they may have. Now, of course, there's really no way to stop political discussions, and most employers really wouldn't want to even try to delve into that um, effort. But political, or excuse me, business necessity dictates that activities that interfere with work performance can and must be stopped. So a political activity um, policy should also address things like um, non-interference with the employee's performance on the job or, as I had mentioned before, the performance of other employees. Um, the policy should also address things like the removal of political material from a workspace and the company's premises if that material disrupts the workplace. And finally, because these issues can sometimes fall into a gray area, um, the policy should consider um, containing a provision on referring ambiguous, ambiguous situations to the Human Resources Department. Now, in, when you're formulating or enforcing that political activity policy, also think, think about practical things like if you have a non-solicitation policy, it has to be neutrally enforced. So, for example, you can't refuse to let your employees distribute or post flyers at work for one political party and then turn around and allow another employee to do so for another campaign or political party. Um, you might also want to remind your employees of your policy before election day or before the primary if that hasn't already happened in your state so that the, the uh, policy is actually fresh in their mind during the time when it mo is most likely to come into play. Now, if an employer prohibits uh, things like wearing political buttons or posting political posters, the company should be certain that that prohibition is followed not only consistently, but absolutely meaning that if anybody, including the company president, wears um, an election button, that that ban actually loses its force. And an employee, if it's not, an employee who's disciplined for violating the policy may actually have a claim for wrongful discipline or discharge, or even in some cases, coercion under state law. You can also do things like ban slogan buttons or t-shirts as part of your dress code policy. And this would happen particularly for companies, or excuse me, employees who come into contact with clients or customers outside of the company property. Now, with regard to uh, embargoes on buttons, I think it's important to mention that those embargoes may not extend to things like union buttons worn during a union organization or election, because uh, those types of activities are actually protected under a separate law, the, the National Labor Relations Act. Well, what about the inevitable, you're interfering with my free speech rights argument? Yes, we hear that a lot, and I know employers hear that a lot. Um, generally, an employee's politics and political activity are really off limits to employers, but if an employee harasses other employees, others, employees, customers, could be those folks, because of a political belief, or if the employee tries to politically proselytize coworkers, the employer can discipline the employee. If the employer is able to link the person's beliefs or actions to actual business harm, and that harm is highly probable, the employer may also have grounds for disciplining the employee. But I want to make it clear that employers should be really careful in these situations and weigh the rights and the interests very carefully before they take any adverse action against an employee. Good, thank you. 
Now, um, what about taking time off to vote? Do, do you have to give employees time off to vote? That's a great question. And, and in a number of states, the states have actually resolved that um, because they regulate, state laws regulate time off for voting purposes. Some states require that employees be given time off to vote if the polls aren't available to them during off work time. And in most states, employers don't have to pay the employee or the workers for the time off unless, of course, the employees are exempt. But a few states actually require wages to be paid when an employee needs to take time off from work to vote. So employers will really want to check their state laws to see what the rules are regarding time off and exactly how much time is allowed and whether or not it must be paid. So even if you're operating a business in a state that has no voting leave law, many employers allow employees to take time off as a matter of policy when they can't get enough time off to go to the polls during work hours, or in off work hours, I should say. So if you're an employer in one of these states without a law and you decide to give employees time off to vote, um, first of all, I would suggest strongly that you have a policy regarding this time off to vote and that you include the policy in your handbook and you post it on your company uh, bulletin board so that um, employees have enough time to become aware of the policy and uh, that it's a far enough ahead of time of the election to for the employees to plan for election day. So if you're designing that voting leaves policy and you don't have a state law, um, you might want to think about things like um, a statement that the employer supports the rights of its employees to participate in elections. Um, you might want to include in there that employees who are registered voters um, may have sufficient time outside of their regular shift um, to vote, but that the employee do things like request the time off in advance. Um, you might want to define what types of primaries and elections are covered under your voting leave policy. Um, you might also want to limit the time off to either the beginning or the end of the shift, whichever, of course, would require the least time off from uh, the employee's job. Employers with the voting leave policies also um, usually put a reasonable time limit on the time allowed off to vote. And the limit could be based on things such as the distance uh, that the employee has to travel from work or from their home. Um, what I've seen is that generally the limit is about two hours or less, unless um, extenuating circumstances exist, of course. And again, I'm talking about a policy in a, a state for an employer in a state without a voting leave law, as state laws actually set reasonable time limits usually. An employer's company policy might also want to state that the company doesn't consider uh, this as time as, as worked, so time left for, or time taken for voting would not be used in the calculation of overtime. Finally, a lot of employers encourage employees to vote and, or participate in elections. Um, so for example, in their policies, employers could say something to the effect that the company has a deep interest and concern for community affairs. So employees that wish to serve in positions such as election officials are really encouraged to do so. And as part of that policy, the employer would also want to state whether or not the employee would be compensated for time off to serve um, in an official capacity in a, in a polling place. 
That's great. Thank you. Now, um, are there any limits to what employers can do to influence employees' votes? Uh, well, uh, many state laws specifically do not allow employers to discipline or discriminate against employees because of what they do outside of work. And among other things, these laws protect employees' political activities like running for office or fundraising. And again, this means activity that occurs off the job. Now, employers should keep in mind that if they want to constrain employee behavior, regardless of politics, it's the behavior and not the actual belief or outside involvement that should be limited. So although some states explicitly protect certain political activities, like employees running for office, those laws don't obligate the employer to pay for lost time. But it's important to note that a smaller number of states guarantee protected leaves of absence to employees in connection with legislative duties or campaigning. So again, it's important to know what the law in your state requires and to comply. So we've been talking a lot about what the law does and does not require, but I, I think it's really important to think about the practicalities of political activity in the workplace too. And if an employer endorses a particular candidate, a party or a platform, it, it oftentimes runs the risk of alienating employees or more perhaps equally importantly, customers. So it might not be the expedient course to uh, carry out these types of endorsements. And in the end, I think as a result, most companies choose to avoid political comment um, other than a statement to employees, of course, encouraging them to be socially responsible and vote, which I hope most employers are doing right now in this really important political season. Yes, I do too. Well, thanks, Susan. This is uh, this is all great. Do you have um, some final tips or recommendations that would help HR managers in dealing with this whole range of election season distractions? Sure. Um, some parting words. Well, in addition to what we've already talked about, I would offer uh, uh, several tips for handling politics at the, in the workplace. Um, the first thing that I would encourage employers to do is set the example for employees. Make sure your managers and supervisors are trained and advised to really keep their own political leanings off limits. Despite how those people might feel, they really have to set the tone in the workplace by remaining neutral and pretty much restrained in any demonstration they have about their own political con convictions. And I know this can be really hard, but managers and supervisors really cannot be allowed to let their own personal preferences become a point of contention for other people. Um, I would also encourage uh, employers to turn around and encourage their employees to have respectful discussions. Um, as we mentioned before, political conversations are really hard to avoid, especially this time of year, and they're even harder to prohibit. So employers should encourage their employees to at least be respectful and try to keep emotion out of it. Um, in order to do this, sometimes it's helpful to acknowledge employees who are successful at exercising professional behavior when political discussions come up. I would also remind employers that uh, keep in mind that the job comes first. Um, employers should remind employees that 
it's clear it's clear that employees work for you and the customers and not for the republican or democratic campaigns and sometimes it might even be necessary to run remind employees that they're there to serve your customers regardless of their own or their customers political stance and that they should pursue their political interests on their own time if conversations do veer into that sensitive or discriminatory terrorist territory I would encourage employers to address them quickly now especially in this year the the issues surrounding the presidential race can touch on issues of race and religion sexual preference and other really sensitive issues so if an employee's tone does turn nasty human resources should immediately step in and have a one-on-one discussion with that employee about what's really at stake here specifically I would mention his or her performance and in fact the company's own potential legal liability for the employee making those types of statements you should not tolerate insensitive volatile or insulting remarks that in really move to promptly address them in a confidential and a professional manner finally when we're talking about political displays I would I would explain that political displays can really present an issue so for example if you have an employee who volunteers for a particular campaign and erects what really amounts to a shrine to his or her candidate in the in her cubicle that employee might not see that as a problem because she doesn't deal with the public but when that employee puts preferences out there on display it can really interfere with relationships with co-workers and customers and others so in the workplace anything that employees insert into a relationship like a campaign poster really does affect their professional presence so it's probably better to save campaign paraphernalia for off hours BLR's 2016 elections and your workplace resource center provides news articles policies and other guidance created by hr.blr.com editors to help answer your questions about political activity in the workplace as well as how the 2016 election results may impact your workplace for more information just go to hr.blr.com slash resource dash centers and look for the election resources button thanks so much for joining us on HR works and thanks for all these great tips Susan it's my pleasure I'm happy to be here listeners please let me know what HR works should cover next s Bruce at blr.com thanks for being with us today this is Steve Bruce for HR works the opinions expressed on HR Works do not represent legal or any other type of professional advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice from a qualified attorney licensed in your state.